Hello, I'm Somi Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher, author, filmmaker, and the founder of Impeak. In this podcast, I speak with innovators at the forefront of emerging technologies. My guest on today's show is Beryl Lee, an entrepreneur in the blockchain gaming space and the co-founder of Yield Guild Games, or YGG. YGG is a decentralized autonomous organization, or DAO, that invests in non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, which are utilized in virtual worlds and blockchain-based games. Gaming is an area that I know very little about, but as we enter the metaverse, it's becoming ever more important, and I especially want to better understand how blockchain and decentralization will play a role in its evolution. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Before we start, I also want to tell you about Athletic Greens, our sponsor for today's show. I started taking AG1 daily supplement because I work 14 to 15 hours a day and I need a way to stay at my peak performance. Now, I've been taking it for several months at this point. I definitely feel more mentally alert and I seem to be more energized when I have my workouts. It's no wonder that Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. I wanted to share this with you because I personally love it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Metabrew Society, founded by Holger Manwiller, is the first project that builds a utility bridge between NFTs and the metaverse and a legacy industry. Every Metabrew Society NFT gives you up to 200 cans of free craft beer per year. You also get voting rights on the business decisions and access to exclusive brewing classes and beer tastings. The NFT revolution of the beer industry happens now, and you can be part of it. Why don't we start by you telling me a little bit about yourself? Um, you know, I have been interviewing quite a lot of people from the crypto and, and um, you know, NFT market. Uh, and uh, that's not the only area that I focus on. You know, uh, I'm mm-hmm. a tech philosopher. I look at like the bigger picture of how technology is uh, changing a society. One area that I have very little experience with is gaming. Um, you know, mm-hmm. growing up, I never played games. Uh, my uh, my mother was very uh, strict. You know, I, I just didn't have, and I don't mean computer games. I just generally didn't get a chance to play pretty much any games, you know. So, uh, so, so gaming is very uh, foreign to me. Well, ironically, I think of life as a game, you know, like my business, the way I'm building a business as a game, right? And I'm, that's why like, I'm, I'm never like too devastated when things go wrong or not too happy when things go well, you know, it's like, I'm just playing a game and uh, I see every day as a practice in getting better. And like, I see myself like an Olympic Mm -hmm. athlete, you know, like a training to get better, but in a, in, in a kind of business environment. Right. So with that, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, how you became interested in gaming? Yeah. So, um, hi, um, my name is Daryl Lee and I'm co-founder at Yieldville Games. I handle finance legal and um, a bit of product 
Um, very much my focus on strategy uh, with my co-founder. Uh, my background has been in very early stage investments, actually, for tech companies across you know, China and Southeast Asia. So I was based in Shanghai. And then I eventually joined the Coins.ph team uh, in early 2014. So I was in the blockchain space late 2013. I was really curious about Bitcoin as an infrastructure to fund. So one of the biggest GDP drivers in the country is actually our businesses. So that's when I started looking into the application of blockchain and um, remittances. Um, so Coins.ph was acquired by Gojek um, in uh, early 2019. Um, but before that, I uh, so in 2016, I started uh, Capchain X. Um, I co-founded that uh, with two co-founders who were based in the Bay Area. And um, that was a an asset tokenization platform. Um, we've looked into structuring uh, property-backed assets, uh, debentures, right? Like equity-backed assets. But at that time, most of our clients were looking into um, utility tokens. So we started like consulting firms uh, for that utility uh, tokenization, which uh, which we call the ICO uh, period in 2016, 2017. So the assets were actually uh, acquired by um, SmartCard in, uh, based out in New York um, in late 2018, like early 2019. And then I started consulting for uh, financial institutions. So one of them is actually Union Bank of the Philippines, uh, where I was consulting for uh, you know, the blockchain arm of their innovation team, uh, UBX. And uh, I was looking into tokenizing their uh, real estate. We call them uh, ROPA properties, remedial assets uh, of the bank. Um, and uh, yeah, I, in the past, I've been consulting for BlackRock as a consultant um, in the group, uh, was backtesting trading algorithms for 13 currency pairs. Uh, yeah, so really interested in um, finance. So Gabby and I started uh, yield farming in 2020 when the pandemic really started and we were in lockdowns. Uh, so my background is in finance, whereas Gabby has been a veteran in gaming for 20 years. And uh, we just started yield farming and then we decided how does finance and gaming look like um, in the Web3 space. And this is when we actually started Yield Guild Games. Uh, we raised funds um, in late 2020, uh, sometime in November. And uh, we started like acquiring a number of these NFT assets, uh, but focused on Axie Infinity just because there was uh, a rising demand uh, for playing games in Axie. Uh, and uh, there were a number of players who just were looking for borrowing um, some of these assets. So we thought that, okay, let's just try it. Um, it's an opportunity. So uh, we bought and started breathing uh, the axes and then we lent, them, uh, we lent them out to our community of players. Uh, we started out with, you know, like a few players, 200 players. And um, to this date, after a year and a half, uh, we have 30,000 scholars uh, to date and over 100,000 players in our, uh, in our channel. And uh, if you actually look into our expansion model uh, through our sub-DAOs, regional sub-DAOs, uh, we have an aggregate of 40,000 scholars um, in the YG network out to date. This is very interesting. Can you explain to our audience what uh, scholars are? Think like they don't know anything about um, the Axie ecosystem. So, um, so can you explain to them what, uh, you know, who scholars are? So basically these are people that are borrowing assets to play, right? That is right, yes. They're players. Uh, and you guys are lending it to them. 
we are lending into them. Yes. Yes. We own access. Yes. And uh, there are players out there that uh, did not have access to assets, but they want to play the game to earn in-game rewards, right? Um, or just like try it, right? Um, dip their toes a little bit. Uh, and uh, they don't want to buy the assets. So they just want to borrow the assets. And so they come to us and then we lend them the assets uh, free of charge, uh, no collateral. Um, but then once they actually start earning um, in-game rewards, uh, we take 10% of those rewards. That's pretty good. So it's like a way of democratizing access to these in-game assets that uh, then enables people to be able to participate in them. And you only take 10%. We, yes, for Axie and we only take 10%. Yeah. I think that's the idea here is lending NFTs, whether it's Axie Infinity or other game titles, uh, that's uh, the primary activity. That's pretty fair. So, uh, well, at least from an outsider's point of view, the way I see it, it, it sounds very fair. So uh, you are providing them with the assets, they play it, they keep 90% of the profit, but you also keep hold of the asset itself. So the value of the asset also goes up over time. Yes. Yeah, so... You know, markets are really volatile, um, uh, as we've seen in this uh, bear market, right? Um, NFTs themselves are also subject to uh, fluctuations. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, we bear the risk, right, holding um, the asset. Yes. Uh, and so the 10% is actually for that, right, uh, for bearing that risk and also for breathing and also all the uh, operational um, expenses of that thing. Yeah. So 70% goes to the player and then 20% actually goes to their manager. Um, so players would actually have a manager um, who, who kind of like teaches them, walks them through the game, uh, makes sure that they actually uh, maximize their, uh, their success rate, right? So the higher your success rate, the more rewards that you earn. So uh, managers are normally like uh, players in the past and they're kind of like a pro already who, who knows the game a lot. And they actually hand down their knowledge to these players. Um, and whenever they have questions on how do I cash out, how do I transfer, because this is in the form of crypto, they've never been in crypto before. The manager is their source of information, right? I'm kind of like a mentor for them. Yeah. So that's 20 and then why just take seven percent? Okay, so so how much is left for the player in the end? Is it 70%? 70%. Okay. So they still keep a majority. Okay, cool. Very cool. Okay, so um, so they take 70%. Right, so is this the first time in history that this model is being tried? And do you see this becoming a thing in the future? Like that many, uh, there, are there going to be many, many forms of things like Axie Infinity uh, and that people are going to be playing these games um, to earn money? And that's going to be like the primary way that they make money. And that, you know, there will be many companies, I suppose, similar to you, but you are like one of the early movers in this space. So do you see this becoming a trend in the future? Uh, yes, uh, definitely. So scholarships is not new at all. Um, the scholarship model has been there. Uh, you know, it was actually organic because it, were, it was actually the community that came up with a scholarship model where those who are more well off than a lot of the players, they end up starting becoming like managers and lending them out to, uh, to players and then they call them scholars. But then they've never done it at scale. They were probably they probably do scholarships up to like 30 people because it's really difficult to start managing um, a number of people. So YGG is the largest um, uh, scholarship provider um, there is uh, to date. So it's the first time that we've done it in scale. 
we were the first that actually introduced, uh, you know, a, a guild system uh, where we acquire a number of these NFTs and lend them out to our players. Um, so the model is not new, but then it's the first time that we've done it in scale, right? We started diversifying into various NFT assets and um, whether the market goes up and down, of course, it actually affects uh, the players of particular games, right? But then I'm sure that there will still be games um, that have improved, for example, token economics that uh, may not affect uh, the actual reward system, right, over time. So um, I think that model is going to stay. Um, NFTs and the metaverse is definitely going to stay. So it's more of bringing games and um, activities into the metaverse and uh, figuring out uh, a better um, economy, um, economics, right, um, into that application. So there's going to be a thin line between gamified applications and games themselves, right? So it could be in the form of learn to earn, uh, move to earn, or sing to earn, or um, uh, yeah, the like, right? So at the moment, we're still in the phase of play uh, to earn, right? Play and earn, play to earn. Um, but then that would gradually uh, move to um, other forms of applications and activities. Um, and that we're going to be seeing in the metaverse. Very interesting. Like, for example, let's say if um, if move to earn was becoming a thing where you would maybe buy Steppen or, you know, like whatever, an NFT, right? And you would lend it to people and they would take that and then they would go and lose weight, you know, like play uh, and lose weight. And, and then they would generate yield from that, right? And then mm -hmm. yeah, that's quite interesting. Fascinating. Same with learning as well. When they actually complete the particular module, um, they actually end up like earning rewards. For as long as the economy has revenues, then there's a reason for those rewards, right? Yeah. If there's no revenue for this particular um, economy or application, then it's going to be very difficult to reason out why there are rewards, right? Can you talk okay. me through some uh, examples of how these, like, you know, can, give me some example of like, how would a company uh, look at, you know, creating a token economy around something like that? Say, let's take a learn to earn model, right? Like I, mm. I have a platform, it's an educational platform. Let's say if I wanted to incentivize people to learn the things that we teach. Yeah, so um, I'm sure that there are different uh, models, right? And um, I think um, we haven't really explored deeply enough but maybe um, as an exa one example um, that comes to mind um, as we speak would be, so when people actually complete a particular module, right? So it could probably, so what are the, you know, like hottest um, kind of skill today? Let's just say uh, development, like um, engineers, right? Like um, if you want to build a website or um, you want to write smart contracts, like smart contract engineers are, um, highly, highly remunerated, right? They're really, really expensive. Or UX designers, right? Like, um, uh, they could, really good UX designers um, are pretty um, expensive too. So um, if you actually have like modules where people actually end up like completing them, right? Um, to help them become really competitive in their field, right? Whether they're a UX designer or an engineer, then um, they earn these uh, rewards, right? But at the end of the day, how do you account for the value of those rewards, right? That has always been a question. So um, one potential uh, way to do this, to make it sustainable is 
um, it becomes like um, an HR tool where when um, somebody actually ends up hiring them, uh, the platform actually gets a fee for revenues, right? Like um, an introduction fee or uh, kind of like a, how do you call it? Like an, um, an executive uh, search firm, right? But this is for um, highly skilled, uh, you know, like um, uh, jobs, right? Like for engineers and um, designers. Um, so they could actually earn money from that. And then that could actually be uh, in the form of rewards for the next batch and so on and so forth. So as long as the platform actually earns like revenue in one form or another, um, then uh, there's a reason for uh, providing those rewards, right? Because it could be like cyclical. Exactly. So this is this is, uh, interesting to hear this because I've been exactly thinking along those lines. And, and actually I thought about another way that it can generate revenue is that let's say uh, if we have a token, um, and companies who want to hire from us, you know, they buy those tokens and, and they stake them, you know, uh, right? And, and like, that's another way that, uh, and then when our members who are, who are learning these things, you know, when they complete their courses, then the companies that have been staking our token will be prioritized in getting, you know, access to, to that talent to so hire. The APY. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then like, yeah, we get like a small uh, fee from, uh, you know, from making that connection, introduction, whatever. Um, yeah, so it, it's, it's a really interesting way that will disrupt uh, the recruitment industry in many ways. So now we are in a bear market as we are having this conversation. What's the difference that you are seeing in how these models work well or work less well in a bear market as opposed to in a market that's kind of like, behaving in a very healthy way like how is it affecting you now so bear markets is always part of a cycle when there is a bear market there's also a um, a market when it actually uh, there's also a bull market right so i always see it as um a cycle right um so for as long it becomes healthy if we actually know that um there are real uh projects being built um there is actually execution there's improvement in productivity um you know right like more jobs like uh it really helps the economy then we kind of know that uh there is real execution real productivity right and um we see um a bear market well all bear markets are really painful right whether it's healthy or not we all know it's just like uh really um it's really painful so bear markets is always a way to kind of like uh correct um that the, you know and weed out uh potential like uh players um in the market so think about the the you know like early 2000s the internet days right um so many companies got wiped out but then um after the bear market you actually see a facebook a google right um and microsoft right the amazons that actually came up afterwards um and it's always going to be the same for the crypto market there's always going to be new models um, that come up after uh, the bear market. And there's gonna always gonna be um, improvement in particular like uh, models, right? Um, so that's how I see um, the bear market. It's a way to like correct uh, things that have not been, you know, like efficient in the past. Uh, so it's like, as long as you have enough liquidity to, uh, to last and get through it. So, okay, no, super interesting. So do you find that this model is more, attractive to developing countries? And uh, do you think that this is going to continue or, or do you see a point where this model 
can start um, being also more attractive to the kind of more Western audience as well. This is a very interesting topic, right? Because um, I feel that there are different kinds of games and different models or different external applications that could be really interesting for a developed country versus an emerging country, right? It's just that play to earn really emerged in a time when there was a pandemic, there were lockdowns, and then all of a sudden people um, from emerging markets found a way to actually make money, right? Um, but at the same time, uh, just be at home, you know, like um, with just a mobile phone, um, you're able to really like play. And uh, they built their own community, right? Um, as part of the game itself, the application. Um, so everything was really organic. It wasn't really uh, directed uh, to emerging markets, right? For them to download. So um, to be honest, we do not know, right? Um, uh, we just find out when there's a certain behavior that the application kind of like influences. In this case, emerging markets were the first, you know, that actually really like use this as an earning opportunity uh, during the pandemic. And then they just created communities that made it, you know, competitive. And um, there are esports, right? There are influencers that came out from this and various roles that emerged, right? Just because of Axie Infinity. But um, as we move to other forms of applications like Sing to Earth, like Imagine um, earning by just like singing, right, as a pastime. And um, I could see that it could be really interesting for countries that like um, singing. Like Philippines is also really um, into singing. And um, uh, yeah, a lot of Asian countries uh, that, does, that do karaoke. Um, so just imagine uh, you're, you're doing karaoke, maybe kind of like remote, but you can still do it socially. And you can actually um, earn from it through maybe tips or a token model. So um, uh, yeah, I, it really depends on the application uh, that that come out. Yeah, definitely. I I can see like as you're speaking, I'm like const- my my brain is going to lots of different possibilities. I can see uh, this being such a strong uh, you know model. But do you have any thoughts on artificial intelligence and the fact that in many cases, you know, robots are gonna be able to do many things better than us, including, you know, gaming. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. And um, and do you see a world where people will basically try to use AI to game the system? Um, and has this already started to happen? Have you noticed this? But ultimately, we know that AI can do everything better than us. So even if we are reduced to just gaming and everything else, uh, you know, like typical work, what we would call work may not be as available to uh, 90% of people because most things are uh, replaced by AI, right? So um, do you see a point, do you see a, a time where AI can also, it can even play the games better than us. So, so that will replace, uh, you know, and, and displace humanity altogether. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, AI has already been used, right, um, in games. Um, uh, there was a, was a Korean guy who actually played, um, uh, his name is Do Sol, right? Like, um, there was a, the guy who, um, uh, what game was that? It's like chess, right? And um, so, the reason why Axie Infinity, they detected that um, there is just a growing community in the Philippines is because the Axie team really thought that there was actually a robot, um, you know, uh, playing the game. And so they investigated and they realized that it's actually a family um, in the Philippines, the Cabinetu and City, that's just 
uh, circul circulating their mobile device from one member uh, to another. Okay. Um, so it's not fair if it's actually a robot, right? And then um, it's meant to actually reward um, individuals. Then the level playing field is just not fair. So their games will have to come up with a way to identify um, these accounts, right? And ban these accounts. Because um, if there is a, a reward system in place, that needs to be for an individual. Otherwise, there's no fun in playing, right? Because um, the level playing field is just not fair. Uh, so yeah, but in general, AI uh, has already proven that they could actually learn through machine learning um, the, the behavior of individuals, right? And kind of like improve models like over time, right? Um, seeing the behaviors of people. Um, and then based on that, uh, they can actually uh, figure out, you know, like strategies. And because of that, no human error, um, certainly. Uh, they definitely, uh, through time, they'd be able to, uh, to, to compete better than humans. Yeah, definitely. So they can already, they can play uh, they can play many things better than us. And um, I think it's going to be increasingly difficult to um, even detect. Uh, but, you know, this is uh, this is the world we live in. And, and it's one of the most interesting challenges of our time to be able to kind of discover, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and find a way for humans to find something to do you know you know you know in, in. all right no so this is uh, it has been fascinating talking to you very interesting what's the next uh, what's the next phase for you like what are you focusing on right now are you looking at other games as well are you uh, focusing mostly on axie or um you know where are you going from this so we love axie um, but then we've diversified to uh, 40 to 50 game titles to date. Uh, we are looking to supporting other games that we believe, uh, you know, like different communities will like, right? Um, and uh, at the moment, it's not only games that we will be supporting. Uh, we will be looking into gamified applications, right? Like Learn to Earn, Move to Earn, um, and uh, yeah, uh, and the like. So yeah, we'll be seeing a lot of these really interesting applications that we could relate to in the real world. Yeah, so your business model is always like looking at buying those assets and then lending the assets and uh, generating yield from it. That's your business model, yeah? Correct, yes. Uh, we'd like to support the creator economy where people can actually have ownership over the assets that they uh, utilize uh, over time. Awesome. Very interesting. Okay. So where can people follow you and your work and how can they find out? Like, let's say, for example, if somebody was a, a game player uh, and they wanted to learn more about, you know, what you're doing and, you know, get involved with what you're doing, um, where can people find you and uh, find more information? So all our activities are on the Discord channel of Yield Guild Games. Okay. So uh, yeah, we invite everyone to be on the Yield Guild Games Discord channel. And then anyone can actually choose the channels and the games that they actually really want to participate in. Um, you, anyone can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, we're really, really active um, on Twitter. You can also follow the founders. Uh, so um, at Burial Chavez B for my Twitter um, and Gabby Gamouche for, uh, for Gabby. And uh, yeah, we, we, 
always tweet the, the newest about uh, the latest uh, uh, fascination in, in games. In Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. And that was, this was super interesting. I'm sure that people will follow you and, and I will as well. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Beryl Lee. Be sure to follow her on Twitter and keep an eye out for what they're building at YGG. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star rating and write a review. The full interviews are also on my YouTube channel, The Somi Arian Show.